Hello, hello, lovely listeners. All of you ghouls and goblins. And everything in between. Welcome to Across the Veil with Zelda and Emma. We're back to Bad Luck and Omens to finish off the month of January, the first month of the new year, which hopefully will not have as bad luck as the last one. We hope. We hope. We pray. We try. So today we're going to be talking about doppelgangers. And I personally have always been interested in doppelgangers for a few reasons. Like for one, I've always been interested in like weird coincidences. And to those of you who have listened to like our ghost episodes, know that while I love researching and learning about paranormal stuff, it takes a lot to prove to me that things are real, which is why I don't believe in ghosts yet. Hopefully I'll be proved wrong. (laughs) We hope. But that being said, I am a little superstitious and honestly, like I might believe in fate or something along the lines of that. Just based off of experiences I've had in my life, like when I transferred schools my sophomore year of college, a horrible leak in my dorm room led me to meeting a lot of my friends who I definitely would never have met otherwise. Like there's no way. And that's a story for another time because it's a little complicated. Like or coincidences that people have had. Stories of people being in the background of photos taken by someone they would eventually become close with. Like things like that in the news. Mm-hmm. And Zelda and I have actually had a wild coincidence. Oh yeah, no, the fact that we're friends is just because the universe needed us to be friends. And I believe in that wholeheartedly. Yeah. Keep in mind, guys, Zelda lives in Singapore. I live in Philadelphia. Well, at the time. At yeah. the time, yeah. Zelda dated a guy at camp. And I... we were kind of still talking after camp, yeah. he and I were. He turned out to go to my school. And I had been kind of friends with him because he was in the theater community with me. And so I had actually heard like stories about this like Zelda person. And then I started dating that guy. And it was like a whole thing of her being like the other girl in a sense, like Mm -hmm. the girl from camp, Zelda. I heard all the shit. And then I was like, who's this girl that stole him from me that goes to his school and is now on his Facebook profile pictures? Mm -hmm. Who is she? And then it's my sophomore year of college. I walk into my first day of voice and speech class. Guess who I see? Guess who I see? I transferred colleges. I've gotten to this voice class late, went into it last minute because like a spot opened up and I see this blonde girl in there and I was like, no. I hear Kill Bill sirens. Like that's exactly (laughs) the noise that I hear the first time I saw you. I was like, holy shit. I was like, it can, it absolutely cannot be. And then I texted my ex-boyfriend and was like, do you know if she goes to Tulane? He was like, I think I remember that being on her Facebook page. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And then we friended each other on Facebook. And then we did not talk about this for like half a year. It took a very long time for us to be like, Hey, just so you know, I know exactly who the fuck you are. (laughs) Just so you know, I've been hearing stories about you for almost four years. And now he's our ex-boyfriend and we are best friends. So really, uh, girls come out winning. Which it's just like fucking crazy that Zelda and I ever met. Like the fact that we ended up in the same place from Singapore, dated the same guy, heard about each other for forever, stalked each other, and then met and became best friends. It's fucking wild. That's fate. If you don't believe in fate, you gotta believe and so, something 
celestial was happening to get that together. Exactly. And so doppelgangers go along with like these weird coincidences and fate and like people meet and see doppelgangers of themselves a decent amount, but like more in the modern use of the terms, so, like people who look like you. Mm-hmm. Like there's a whole craze of people randomly meeting their doubles on planes and like celebrities looking like old portraits. Also, I've always wanted to find an old portrait that looks exactly like me. But I also may have actually run into my own doppelganger when I was about 14 or 15. Oh. I was in somewhere in Philadelphia and I was with a friend of mine. We were in this building and I had like gone to the bathroom or something when I came out. My friend went up to me and she was like, oh my God, I thought you like left. I I thought I saw you walk out the door. And I was like, no, I've been in the bathroom. And she was like, that's so weird. Someone looks exactly like you. And then we were walking down the street and she was like, oh my God, she's walking in front of us. And I was like, she has dark hair, sure. And then the girl turned to the side and literally my heart stopped for a second because her side profile was exactly like mine to the degree where I was like, she's kind of ugly because I hate my nose and I hate my side profile. And then I was like, oh my God, she's, it's the exact insecurities of that. She was wearing sunglasses. So you, I don't know what her full face looked like. Who's to know? Only side profile, but she looked enough like me that my heart stopped. I, I was shook. That's spooky. It was spooky. So because of that, I like have these beliefs in like doppelgangers existing in fate and I'm a little superstitious. And I also feel like I have bad luck. And I think we all kind of feel like we have bad luck. Pick a struggle. (laughs) Honestly, I can't. I have too many. I can't choose one, bitch. (laughs) Sorry. Pick a singular struggle. I cannot. Your doppelganger is not going to creep up and kill you. She could. There can only be one. (laughs) But the traditional sense of doppelgangers goes along with bad luck. So let's get into the history of doppelgangers and doubles. Stemming from German and English folklore, doppelganger is a German word that translates into double-goer or double-walker. It's also called a spirit double or evil twin, and the entity is distinguished from a ghost because it's a paranormal duplicate that exists at the same time as a living person. So according to legend and folklore, if you or someone else spots your double, it's an omen of horrible events to come. As a harbinger of bad luck, a doppelganger seen by a person's relative or friend was said to signify that illness or danger would befall that person, while seeing one's own doppelganger was said to be an omen of certain death. Some accounts suggest that the entity might attempt to give misleading or malicious advice to the person they shadow. They may even attempt to plant sinister ideas or ugly thoughts in their victims' minds. For these reasons, communication with one's doppelganger should be avoided at all cost. You might be able to differentiate a doppelganger from the human. Some say that their faces might not quite be right, just a little bit off, maybe more pale or sickly. They might not cast a shadow. So it's basically a separate entity. It's not like another person. In the folklore sense, it is not another person. It's been created to fuck with you. Yeah, it's an omen. It's something bad. But the mythology and ideas and sightings of spirit devils can be traced back thousands of years, holding prominence in ancient legends, stories, artworks, and books by many cultures from the past. The concept of a good and evil twin is referenced as far back as the 5th century BC in an ancient Iranian religion called Zoroastrianism. The two primal spirits were the sons of time and were co-eternal representatives of the darkness, evil, and light, good. Native American creation myths also talked about dualistic twins and how the afterlife mirrored the land of the living. In the Mesopotamian epic Gilgamesh, written in 2100 BCE, the wild man and Kindu is an equal but opposite twin of Gilgamesh. Ancient Egyptians believed in the existence of a Ka, which was a tangible spirit double, 
Norse and Finnish folklore and mythology also described entities, with names that I low-key cannot pronounce, that are so like their living counterparts that they even have their scent. The ghostly beings would precede their living counterparts, taking their places at various activities and performing their actions in advance. It's just a little less sinister than the normal type of doppelganger. Finally, in Breton, Cornish, and Norman folklore, there was the Anku, which was said to be the harvester of souls and a personification of death. This dark twin would appear as an omen of certain death and dress in a dark cloak with a scythe in hand. He would then get the newly dead souls to help him harvest more souls. Oh, so that's kind of like an MLM. A what? Multi-level marketing? Yeah. <laughs> it's a pyramid scheme. <laughs> it's a pyramid scheme. <laughs> While the idea of a devil is an ancient concept, English speakers didn't have a word for it until the late 18th century. So at first, Francis Gross' Provincial Glossary of 1787 used the term fetch to define the apparition of a person living. Stop trying to make fetch happen! <laughs> it's not going to happen! <laughs> that is so not fetch. So that was discarded. It didn't happen. But in 1796, German author Jean Paul introduced the word doppelganger in a story about lookalikes. But the lookalikes themselves were actually called doppeltagangers, and doppelganger referenced a meal with two courses served simultaneously, so it wasn't popularized. It took until 1848 for doppelganger to become the word that we know now. So it was Catherine Crow's 1848 book in Paranormal Phenomena, The Night Side of Nature, that made the word well known. This was the most influential work about doppelgangers and was a huge success within paranormal pop culture and influences theories to this day. It merged true stories with spooky elements and folklore with anecdotes or gossip from real places. Her accounts of doubles included elements of sleepwalking, bilocation, astral projection, seeing a person's doppelganger, which she often called wraiths as well, or self-seeing your own might mean death or bad luck. And so, okay, this book is wild, and also I'm in love with Catherine Crow. She's amazing, and I would want to do an entire episode about the stuff she talks about in her book, but it would take mm -hmm. a while, because it's 500 pages. But as a brief summary of her, she was a spiritualist and also a badass who was pretty politically radical for the time because she was super vocal about women's oppression by men, social inequality, poverty, slavery, and animal rights. And she wrote books about all these things, but was still incredibly well-respected. Spooky bitches, you don't want to fuck with them. Exactly! So The Night Side of Nature was called groundbreaking. Like, Charles Dickens himself even wrote a review about it in The Examiner, calling it one of the most extraordinary collections of ghost stories ever published, and that Crow can never be read without pleasure and profit, and can never write otherwise insensibly and well. She's fucking amazing. And I only could read the chapter about doppelgangers though, sadly, because again, 500 pages long. She collected tons of stories though, and even said that instances of people being seen at a distance from the spot on which they are dying are so numerous in this department, I find it difficult to make a selection. But so, let's talk about some doppelganger sightings. Ooh. So as we know, there's been a lot of sightings before and after the term doppelganger was created, but here are the most famous ones. Dr. John Donne was an English metaphysical poet. In his biography, The Life of Dr. John Donne, English writer Isaac Walton shares an account where Donne met his wife's doppelganger. One night in 1612, Dunn had dinner with a group of friends. The friends left the room for a half an hour, but when they returned, they discovered Dunn in a deeply disturbed state. He told them, I have seen a dreadful vision since I saw you. 
I have seen my dear wife pass twice by me through this room, with her hair hanging about her shoulders and a dead child in her arms. His friends tried to convince him that he must have fallen asleep. Dunn responded, I cannot be sure that I live now, that I have not slept since I saw you, and am as sure that at her second appearing she stopped, looked at me in the face, and vanished. A messenger was immediately dispatched to check on Dunn's wife, only to return with the news that his wife had given birth to their stillborn daughter and was now very sick. Spooky. Mm -hmm. And sad. Yeah. I mean, if they're bad omens, they're not going to end well. Nope. So then there is Vice Admiral Sir George Tryon. Tryon has gone down in history for causing the collision of his ship, the HMS Victoria, and another, the HMS Camperdown, off the coast of Lebanon, on June 22, 1893, killing 357 sailors and himself. At this time, thousands of miles away in London, his wife was throwing a party for friends and the London elite. While sitting in the drawing room, they suddenly saw Tryon, dressed in full uniform, walk through the room, staring straight ahead, not speaking to anyone, before exiting through a door and vanishing. The next day, the witnesses learned of his death, and none could offer an explanation. Except what did they put in that punch? Jesus! Was that tripping? Was that? Was that tripping? <laughs> so then we have Catherine the Great. One night, Catherine's servants woke her frantically, having just seen her visage, plain as day, sitting silently in the throne room as the Empress slept. In disbelief, the Empress followed them back to the throne room, only to see herself, a silent double, sitting on the throne. She ordered her guards to shoot the imposter, who, I assume, simply disappeared upon being shot. While the doppelganger remained unscathed, Catherine the Great died suddenly of a stroke only a short while later. That would be wild to see yourself. Just sitting silently, staring straight ahead. Horrifying. Famed romantic poet Percy Shelley, husband to the one and only Mary Shelley, author of Frankenstein, is probably my favorite doppelganger tale. Ooh. His double appeared multiple times just before his death in 1822. In the summer of 1822, Mary and Percy were staying in Italy with a multitude of friends, including Mary's sister and her husband, the Williams. Both Mary and Percy were severely depressed after the deaths of their children, and while they were there, Mary suffered a nearly fatal miscarriage. In the days before the miscarriage, Percy Shelley's doppelganger was seen twice. Mary wrote about the occurrences in a letter to a friend. He told me that he had many visions lately. He had seen the figure of himself, which met him as he walked on the terrace, and said to him, How long do you mean to be content? Shelley had often seen these figures when ill, but the strangest thing is that Mrs. Williams later saw him as well. Now Jane, though a woman of sensibility, has not much imagination, and is not nervous in the slightest degree, neither in dreams or otherwise. But she was standing one day at a window that looked on the terrace with Edward Trelawney. When she saw Shelley pass by the window, he passed again. Now as he passed both times the same way, and as from the side towards which he went, there was no way to get back except past the window again, or by jumping off a wall twenty feet from the ground, Jane was struck at seeing him pass twice thus. She looked out, and seeing him no more, she cried, Good God! Can Shelley have left from the wall? Where can he be gone? Shelley, said Trelawney. No, Shelley has passed. What do you mean? Jane trembled exceedingly when she heard this, and it proved indeed that Shelley had never been on the terrace, and was far off at the time she saw him. His ghost was doing Scooby-Doo doors. Or not ghost, the doppelganger. Um, he was exactly. So this was before Mary's miscarriage. After Mary's miscarriage, one night the house was awoken by a horrible screaming, and Shelley was found in Mary's room babbling wildly about the visions he had seen. 
the Williams covered in blood, the ocean flooding his house. And then the visions changed, and he saw the figure of a man with his own face standing over Mary's bed, strangling her. Some say that Shelley's final vision of his doppelganger was on the beach, where the doppelganger pointed towards the sea. On July 8th, despite warnings of bad weather and no real need to travel that day, Shelley insisted on setting sail with his boat, the Don Juan, taking Williams and an 18-year-old boat boy with him. Several hours later, in the midst of a horrible storm at sea, they were seen by another boat. The captain saw how recklessly they were sailing and risked the safety of his own crew to go alongside and offer to take Shelley and his companions on board. But Shelley refused. It was 10 days before their bodies were found. Shelley was identifiable only by the clothes he wore and the book of Keats poems he had in his pocket, as his hands and face were completely eaten away. Eventually, his body was burned at a pyre on the beach, in the presence of Lord Byron, Edward Trelawney, and another of Shelley's friends. Legend has it that Shelley's heart refused to burn and was fished from the ashes by his friends. The heart was eventually given to Mary, who kept it wrapped in silk in her writing case till the end of her days. God, I want to be with these goth people so badly. They just seem like the best fucking party of all time. Literally a hoot and a half. A hoot and a half. Holding a dead heart. That part's not really important to doppelgangers, but I just think it's fun. It's so cool. So then there's Emily Saget. Emily Saget was a school teacher in the mid-1800s. She was attractive, well-liked by her students, and diligent. But there was something strange about Emily. Despite her reputation of impeccable conduct, she had had nearly 20 different teaching positions at different schools in only 16 years. Uh-oh. This was because Emily had been tormented by her doppelganger in public. While working at a school in Latvia, students began to see two of her. They first saw her double while she was teaching class. As she wrote on the blackboard, the apparition appeared next to her, perfectly mimicking her every move. It was spotted again and again, often right next to her, but sometimes it would appear in completely different places altogether. Once, while teaching an embroidery class, Emily went to go and pick some flowers. While she walked around the garden, her double walked into the classroom, sat down at her desk, and stared straight towards the children. The 42 pupils also stared, mouths agape as they could see the real Saget through the windows while the double looked blankly on. While Emily never actually saw the doppelganger herself, it's said that when the entity was present, the color would drain from her face and she'd become fatigued and feel helpless. Eventually, the presence became so disturbing to the students that the school let her go, just like all the others before. Saget was never heard from again, and nothing else is known of her. Maybe. Hmm? The doppelganger was just telling her not to be a teacher. <laughs> Math is hard. Embroidery is hard. Start a podcast. Yeah, start a podcast. <laughs> Finally, one of the most noteworthy and well-known accounts of doppelgangers comes from Honest Abe Lincoln himself. Abraham Lincoln? Abraham Lincoln, baby. So he once confessed to his friends that on the night of his first election, he had seen an image that shocked him to his core. While taking a rest on his couch that evening, he turned to the mirror across from him and was shocked to see his reflection had not one, but two faces. One face was completely normal, while the other looked pale and sickly. He jumped up, only to see the second face melt away, but when he lay back down, it reappeared. In the excitement of the election, he managed to forget about it, but it came back and haunted him. He told his wife, Mary Todd, who became worried, and he tried to show her the illusion, but was unable. A few days later, he tried once more, and the face reappeared for the last time. Mary, horrified, took the doubled reflection as a sign that he would be elected to a second term. 
but that the death pallor of the second face meant he wouldn't live through it. Mm-hmm. Okay, Mary. So this statement comes from the book Washington in Lincoln's Time, written by Noah Brooks in 1895, who claimed that he heard it directly from Lincoln himself and that the story was confirmed by Lincoln's friends and wife, though Brooks does admit that Lincoln was known to be a little superstitious. Most people in those days yeah, were Yeah, everybody little... was kind of at least a little stitious. A little stitch. So in terms of how likely these stories are to be real... A lot of them were said to come directly from the people who experienced them, but are still told secondhand through books. So it's hard to say whether or not a dramatic lens has been put on them or if they're just completely made up. Emily Saget, unfortunately, is almost definitely not real. Oh. Yeah. Every story about her comes from the same source. A chapter in a book written in 1860 by Robert Dale Owens, titled Footfalls on the Boundary of Another World. There are, throughout the late 19th and early 20th century, several other works that comment on the story, but they just all come from this same one chapter of this one book. And while the book does say that it's supposedly a first-hand account from one of the students, why didn't any of the other students or schools ever say anything? And you can't trust teens. You can't trust teens. But to me, and I don't know about you, but Percy Shelley's story seems the most concrete to me. If I was going to believe one of them. They were doing so many drugs. I know, but it's because of Mary's letter where she at first is like, yeah, he sees shit like this all the time, like whatever. But that the other woman who saw her, him is completely unimaginative and that's what convinced her. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah, she was also wildly depressed and drugged up. But so whether these sightings are real or not, we're all still fascinated by the idea of a doppelganger. And that's shown all throughout literature, art, and pop culture. Edgar Allan Poe wrote about doppelgangers in his story, William Wilson. Alfred Hitchcock plays with doppelgangers in his 1958 film, Vertigo. And the inspiration for Jordan Peele's Us comes from a 1960 episode of The Twilight Zone, Mirror Image, which personally is one of my favorite Twilight Zone episodes. So something about the idea of this draws us in and has done so for centuries. But medicine and science, of course, have answers for seeing your double. There is a psychiatric phenomenon called hedoscopy or hedoscopy, and sources describe the phenomenon as viewing your own body from a distance, and it can be caused by a number of things, from schizophrenia to epilepsy to brain tumors, and hallucinations in general could also be the answer. But like low-key, seeing your doppelganger is probably still a bad omen because something wonky is going on with your brain. Oh yeah, no, it's still not good. If you're seeing yourself, that's still a bad omen. Something's up. And then, of course, as we've seen, you could just meet your double through coincidence. There's only so many genes in the collective human gene pool. And while there's a large number of variations, there's eventually a finite number. So it is totally possible for someone to just look exactly like you, as we've seen through people meeting their own twin strangers, and maybe my story as well. But back to coincidences, it's a big fucking coincidence for you to end up with that person in the same place at the same time. Being similar ages. Yeah. There's a lot of factors that just make it a little coinkydink. A little spooky. Mm -hmm. But scientifically, doppelgangers are real. They're just other people and not apparitions, potentially. Or they're hallucinations. But they do exist. But they do exist. But like, no matter what, the idea of a more supernatural doppelganger is still something that I'm more likely to believe in than other supernatural occurrences. And it also goes into the idea of like alternate dimensions and like fate and just 
something about it draws me in you know Mm -hmm. it'd be so scary though to see like a ghostly like a slightly off version of yourself just standing there or to see someone else like see someone you know isn't there just standing there looking at you or walking through the room to me the idea of that is very haunting it's worse than a ghost almost because ghosts you know are dead and you don't know what these things are you don't know what they are are they dead probably probably not and then you know that something horrible is gonna happen like (laughs) because you're not supposed to be seeing that no you are not and then it goes into also like astral projection and like there's so much i want to look more into all of the stuff which i could with Catherine crow's book that was great thank you for um scaring me close to bedtime you're welcome it's my favorite hobby so zelda what are we (laughs) diving into next week get it i do i do get it it's the dawning of the age of aquarius (laughs) So we're going into aquatic stuff. Yep, this entire month of February, we will just be discussing anything aquatic that we want to get deep seer into. <laughs> I'm trying to think of another fish pun. What are you going to be doing the month of February listening to? <laughs> yeah, what? Listening to our podcast. Podcast. <laughs> the puns don't stop, folks. Remember to lake and leave a review. Subscribe. I don't know. Subscribe. <laughs> we are killing it. It's good. We're nailing this. Uh, speaking of diving, we've got a podcast promo this week from the lovely people over at Crime Divers Pod. Are you ready to dive into some true crime? Diving puns forever. We'll let them tell you a little bit more about it. Are you fascinated by true crime like us? If so, check out our podcast, Crime Divers, hosted by me, Jill. And me, Laura. Look out for new episodes every Tuesday when we discuss true crime from around the world. So what are you waiting for? Come join us as we dive in. Well, for now, we're done. But we'll see (laughs) you next time across the whale. I mean, (gasps) veil. She did that. (laughs) Snuck one in.